Hello there, and welcome to the Holy Awkward Silence podcast, where we talk about how we partner with God to grow in the faith. Hi, everyone. We're continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark this week. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up from out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. We move quickly, as is Mark's custom from John, who prepares the way for the coming one, the Messiah, to the first appearance of Jesus. This is the transition point where the story moves from preparation and proclamation to the arrival of the one predicted to come. John moves from being the star of the early part of the story in the first few verses to a background player. Jesus comes from his home of Nazareth, and John baptizes him. And we're immediately introduced to the Trinity. We have Jesus, the Son, being baptized, God the Father speaking from heaven, and the Holy Spirit descending on him. In Jewish literature, a dove is used to symbolize peace, divinity, creativity, and also the Spirit of God. The Father speaks down from heaven, expressing his love for his Son, Jesus. This helps build the case for Jesus as being divine. It also serves to set up the possibility of the life of Jesus as a sacrifice. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Here we have a father, Abraham, who is commanded by God to to sacrifice his beloved son, Isaac. In the narrative of Abraham and Isaac, God stops Abraham before he has to do the unthinkable. This is a thing that no loving father could ever imagine doing to their son. And yet, Mark gives us an ever so subtle hint that perhaps that's exactly what God the Father intends to do, to allow him to be sacrificed. The language between uh, Mark and and the language in Genesis is, is a little bit similar. And so we have this potential subtle hint about Jesus' sacrifice to come. And so the big question at this point is why did Jesus need to be baptized if he was sinless? After all, John was just telling people to repent and be baptized. Jesus hadn't sinned, and so there was no need for him to repent of anything. Unfortunately, the scripture isn't clear on the why of this. All we have in Mark is a few verses giving us the information that this is indeed what did happen. We don't actually know why Jesus did it. No idea. The text simply doesn't spell it out for us. It would have been great if Mark would have told us why Jesus was baptized. 
perhaps that he did it because he was hot that day and decided baptism was a great way to cool off, or Jesus was baptized because God the Father told him he had to do it. Mark just doesn't do that for us. In fact, in typical Mark fashion, he tells us something quickly and then moves on to the next thing, the next event. There's a number of really good theories that help us to think through this. I just want to highlight a few of those to give you something to, to think through and to think about. Number one, Jesus was baptized as an example for us to follow. Jesus did it so that when it was time for us to do so, uh, we, could, we could step into that example. He was essentially modeling baptism for us. Number two, Jesus was baptized to, to sanctify him, or to, more precisely, to set him apart for his public ministry as the Messiah. In other words, it was a kind of an ordination or commissioning service to publicly demonstrate that Jesus was stepping into his calling as the Messiah and was ready to do ministry. And thirdly, the baptism functioned as an Old Testament sign act. A sign act is a way for a prophet to embody or to live out a particular message in a physical way that God had asked them to, uh, to deliver. So for instance, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we have a sign act that God asks Ezekiel to do. Now, son of man, take a block of clay, put it in front of you, and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Then lay siege to it, erect siege works against it, Build a ramp up to it. Set up camps against it and put battering rams around it. Then take an iron pan, place it as an iron wall between you and the city, and turn your face toward it. It will be under siege, and you shall besiege it. This will be a sign to the people of Israel. Then lie on your left side and put the sin of the people of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days you lie on your side. I think all of these theories have a hand in why Jesus was baptized. While the text doesn't allow us to know the why for sure, we do know that this, is a, this event, coupled with the time in the desert, begins the earthly public ministry of Jesus. And so after the baptism of Jesus, Mark's quick-paced gospel strikes again. In verse 12, Mark tells us that Jesus is immediately driven into the wilderness by the Spirit. In verse 14, we see that he's going to spend 40 days being tempted by Satan. Some of the other Gospels go into more detail about what the temptations were that Jesus endured, but that isn't Mark's concern at all. He's much more concerned about the fact that it happened without getting bogged down in the details of it. Again, this is Mark's way. We see this a lot in this Gospel. The term wilderness in the number 40 for a Jewish audience would conjure up images of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Here we have Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. In part, the wilderness wandering was a time of preparation for the next generation as they prepared to go into the promised land. The 40 days in the wilderness was preparation for Jesus as he was getting ready to begin his earthly ministry. And then we have the introduction of Satan, who tempts Jesus. And where Adam and Eve fail to overcome temptation uh, in the early parts of Genesis, we see that Jesus is actually able to overcome temptation. He doesn't submit. And so all of a sudden, we're beginning to see that with Jesus' arrival, something new is on the horizon. Something new is happening. And now we 
also have the angels ministering to Jesus. Mark flies through the account where the Gospels of Matthew and Luke pause to give a little bit more information. They take the time to include dialogue where Mark, makes, uh, Mark takes a brief moment to let us know the event happened. He gives us the major players, Jesus, Satan, angels, and the wild beasts, and then he pushes the narrative along quickly. Now, just a little aside about the wild beasts to give you some insight into how difficult it can be to interpret scripture. There are two competing theories uh, about the wild animals that I'd, I'd like to highlight. All we have written here is that there were wild animals. One theory presented by scholars suggests that the inclusion of the wild beasts in the wilderness is a connection to Genesis 3. After the fall, humans and animals no longer lived in harmony. No lions ate people in the garden. And then when the fall happened, things changed. The fact that Jesus was able to be around wild animals suggests that the curse of the fall was in the process of being reversed. Now, another theory suggested by scholars is that there's a connection between the wild animals and demons. In this theory, it's asserted that the demons were thought to have lived in the wilderness. In Jewish mythology and in other literature, that's where demons resided. They resided in the wilderness. And so uh, in reading that this took place in, in the wilderness with wild animals, and uh, coupled with the notion that, that there were angels, there's this connection that uh, between uh, the wild beasts and the demons. And the lesson here is that sometimes we read into a passage what we want to. Sometimes it's because of our experience or our denomination or our local church taught us certain things about what we should believe. And we read a passage bringing that stuff, that experience and that background to the table. And we add things to our reading that don't or shouldn't be there. And so when we study the scriptures, we have to be mindful that sometimes our own stuff, our own biases and prejudices can get in the way, and we need to be careful when we're teaching, when we're preaching, and when we're studying. None of us can fully eliminate it, but we need to work very hard to, uh, to limit it so that when we're studying a passage, it's less about our, our opinion, and it's more about what God is trying to communicate to us. This is why it's so important to the study of the Word of God uh, that we do so in the context of relationship and in community. We need each other's perspectives and input to see the things that we miss, but we also need to keep each other honest and accountable with the Word of God. Community is essential to our study of the scriptures. And so in his gospel, Mark just wants to rush through the details to get to the action. It's like a modern-day action summer blockbuster. The details aren't the point, the explosions are. The same seems to hold true for Mark. He's quick to gloss over the details in favor of getting down to the nitty gritty of the story. The next time we get together, uh, we'll be studying Mark chapter one, verses 14 and 15. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday evenings if you can. If not, you can, uh, you can continue to stay connected to what we're talking about in these videos. Thanks for hanging out with me. Blessings to you.
If you would like to financially support the Holy Awkward Silence podcast, I'd encourage you to click on the support button at the top of the page. When you do that, uh, you'll be able to choose some different ways to be able to financially support this podcast. Supporting this podcast with a small monthly donation helps to sustain future episodes. So if you would like to do that, I'd encourage you to do so.